0: Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio program featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
1: Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3CR.org.au. My name is Kaelin and before we get started, I would like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kula Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where we tell our stories and land where stories have been told here by traditional owners for many years before us. I would like to pay my respects to their elders past present and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders today. So, you've probably heard about the Victorian Royal Commission into Mental Health by now, but if you haven't, here's a quick overview. The Royal Commission was called in 2018 to review all parts of the mental health system in Victoria. The final report was released in March this year and it promises to be a blueprint to a massive transformation of what has been called a broken system. Over the last two years the Commissioners heard and read evidence from thousands of people and organisations. Many people who shared their story did so knowing that it could impact them negatively but felt so passionately about what needed to change that they had to speak up. And as a result in Victoria we are the precipice for the biggest social reform in a generation. But what does this all mean and what can we do to make sure it happens? Over the next three weeks, we will be getting three different perspectives on what this means for Victoria and the opportunity for national change. We will be chatting with two CEOs from two different organisations and to a well-known mental health advocate who also shares her own history living with mental health challenges and also working in mental health. Today's guest is Cindy Smith, the CEO of the Australian Association of Social Workers. Cindy is a qualified social worker with more than 20 years experience, a bachelor's in social work, a master's of health administration, a fellow of the Australian College of Health Management and a graduate of the Australian Institute Company Directors. Cindy has led the AASW since 2017.
0: Uh, Thanks, Cindy, for coming on the show today to talk to us on Brainwaves. It's lovely to have you. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: No, No worries. My pleasure. (laughs) Wonderful. All right. Well, um, now you're here today to talk about the findings of the Victorian Royal Commission into mental health. Why do you think the Royal Commission was so important?
2: Uh, Well, thank you. Thank you again, Caitlin. Um, As social workers, we welcome the Royal Commission um, as a much-needed review of our mental health system. It's long overdue. There's been um, attempts to reform the Victorian mental health system um, in the past, I previously worked in an organisation where I oversaw five mental health forms, reforms that um, went through the reforms in 2013 and 15. And this feels like a, the next iteration on, on, on those um, attempts at reform. So as the report shows, the Victorian mental health system is in urgent need of reform. Um, and we commend the Victorian government for its commitment to reform and believe the Royal Commission provides a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity um, to significantly improve the mental health system for all our Victorians. Mm, Um, I'll just say our members have highlighted the major issues of underfunding, um, of overburdened system, um, of increasingly focused on crisis and and at the triage end, rather than supporting long-term continued support and wellbeing and integration into the community. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, and that focus on crisis is something that I notice a lot in the system as well. Um, yep. Now, you did mention the Victorian government, and Daniel Andrews has said that he will implement all recommendations, but it won't be a quick fix, um, and that it could take years. So from that perspective mm-hmm. of your organisation, uh, which recommendations do you see as a priority for turning this broken system around?
2: Mm. Um, before we talk about the recommendations, I think the principle needs to be people before services, Um, And it needs to be focused on people, on individuals, on the families and the communities as a priority. And that's where it it should be focused on. And then we look at the recommendations. And for us, it's also around um, focusing on prevention because, you know, we looked in the Royal Commission at the escalating numbers of people that are coming into, um, you know, feeling um, mental unwellness or mental illness. So certainly highlighting um, prevention. The f- um, focused on the recommendations that uh, talk that um, focus on service delivery, building capacity, um, introduction of the of the different services across the different, you know, from from cradle to grave, if we will, the um, implementing the services for the um, those communities um, and those individuals in place based settings. Mm-hmm. And and that that's really an interesting thing to look at, Caitlin, because certainly when I was in the mental health system, worked within the mental health system, um, the focus was on actually removing them. Um, And and, um, I was involved in an amazing program um, that had been running for over 20 years. I can't remember exactly how long. I want to say it was close to 30, but it was definitely over 20. And it was a program that was um, lovingly known as Finchley. It used to work with um, over 420 people um, um, uh, per annum, and that program had a drop-in centre. It was a p- part of the Choir of Hard Knocks. It um, was for people, just they could come in for refuge if they wanted for no particular reason as a drop-in. You know, they could um, stay as for long, as for little as they like, and they could access, you know, supports there and just catch up with mates. But as part of the mental health reform that happened back in 2013-15, that program was closed. Mm-hmm. And that was just, it was just devastating. So for me to read the Royal Commission reports and to read that, that is one of the new recommendations. It's Um, funny how we've
0: gone back, forwards and backwards, yeah. It's just
2: heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And I was the general manager that unfortunately had that responsibility to close that program because we were Mm. defunded. And to see those people leave and the devastation that that caused, um, it's just, I don't know if it's, you know, if it if I feel good to read that we need those services back or if I feel saddened, you know, to think that, that we lost those services in the beginning and we never needed to go back there, sure, they there always could have been improvements. Mm. Um, but, you know, to close them down and now we're sort of, re- the recommendations are to set them up is, is disappointing. It so is, yeah. some of the recommendations that, you know, we stand out as a priority, certainly the ones, as I said, about prevention, but you know, certainly the immediate re- reduction of the use of seclusion and restraints—that that's, that's got to be up there in the top five. Um, the creating the the agency, the non-government agency with people personal experience—you know—that's that's, that's going to be fantastic.
0: And very close how, to my heart, that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's see how that one develops. So you know, that one's certainly up in our in our top five. Um, throwing out the mental health act. Um, and preferably starting with a new one, you know, we sort of let's let's get that one up there, but also creating new um, crisis facilities and safe spaces. So the recommendations, I think that for us, it's prioritising, as I said, people over services. Um, and you know, that's any that focus on that, and then get those services out there. That's where we'd like to see it start.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with, with everything and interesting that you were talking about that program. It sounds like there's definitely a gap there where that could definitely fill. So, yeah, it's very disappointing to know that they've wasted all that time and money by undoing it and now having to, you know, see the cycle start again.
2: Yes, that's really yeah. yeah. disappointing.
0: Yeah. So would you like to see other states and territories follow in our lead in Victoria and adopt some of these reforms?
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know, mental health doesn't have a boundary or mental illness doesn't have boundaries, does it? And um, whilst again, you know, fantastic for Victoria leading the way, running a World Commission into mental health is just fantastic. And um, but as the Commission identified, you know, um, you know, we do need this across all states and territories, you know, um, where you live cannot be the determinant of the quality of service that that you receive. And the Australian Association of Social Workers, is a national organisation, so we do see these issues um, have, have devastating effects um, for people and individuals and communities in other states and territories as well. So we would welcome you know, a Commonwealth approach to this.
0: Yeah, I agree, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll find probably a lot of organisations feel exactly the same way. Yes. Um, yeah, so um, how do you get clinical and community services working together more collaboratively?
2: Well, this is a, this is a question close to my heart caitlin so i'm really i'm happy that you that you asked this because i i firmly believe that when there's state dollars involved you get um you have you have um a greater ability to align kpis so you know um as a ceo of an association i have very um detailed kpis and i'm sure um other ceos of health community clinical services do so I think, you know, my opinion is that where there is funded, um, where there's funding by the state, you make sure that there's alignments of obligations on boards and CEOs to deliver um, together and remove competing priorities, and ensure that they're shared priorities. So I think that's a structural, a structural fix there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And social workers will be at the forefront of implementing some of the commission's recommendations, which is really great for job opportunities. Do you have any concerns around workforce shortages of an already overstretched system?
2: From from our early data, we've seen an increase in the number of students deciding to do social work in 2021. Um, And by most government data, it's projected that the professions continue to grow. I do know of some universities that um, have actually reached um they've had to put a cap on their numbers because they're completely full wow um, which is just fantastic yeah um so but we do need um greater regulation so we would say regulation and registration for the profession of social work so the the profession is currently unregulated and and we're so well we're a self-regulated profession but we're not registered we, we don't have national registration so For public safety, we believe that the the, um, profession needs to be registered so that the public, when they're accessing a social worker or working with a social worker, they can be assured that that person has the right qualifications to be calling themselves a social worker. So currently we are in the South Australian Parliament. We've got legislation before the South Australian Parliament to register social workers in South Australia, but we'd like to see that across as a national um, model, similar to other allied health professions.
0: Yeah, no, that's a definite um and definitely a good idea. I had no idea that there was no registration. So there you go. I've learned Yeah, something many today. people
2: don't. And we're yeah. one of the um, we're one of the few English speaking countries, would you believe, where social workers are not registered. They're wow. registered in nearly every other single um, in every other English speaking country. And the AASW and its members have been campaigning for social work registration for approximately
0: 50 years. Wow. Okay. Well, let's hope that that's something that changes really soon. Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So um, the Pro- Productivity Commission report was made mm. public at the end of last year. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Re- what that report was for and also what the AASW's response was to this report?
2: Yeah. So we welcomed the release of the Productivity, um, Productivity Commission's report on social economic benefits of improving mental health that that outlines a vision for a person-centred system. So the Productivity Productivity Commission has undertaken a comprehensive review of all aspects of mental health, the service system, and and produced a detailed report that shows the magnitude and complexity of the task ahead. The The ASW welcomes the report's recognition of the damaging effects of socioeconomic disadvantage, isolation and discrimination on people's mental health. This is not new, we know that around the, we know the importance of the social determinants of health on people's um, mental wellness. And um, we appreciate the report's direct and comprehensive nature that shows that the reforms we need are not just confined to mental health, um, but also need to incorporate, need to be incorporated into the whole of our service system um, and reinforced through positive community attitudes. I was just oh. gonna say, um, in addition to that the report, the report documents Documents the touch points that will make a difference to individuals, their families, and the carers, and that support, as we know, starts right from the outset for new parents. Um, well-being programs in schools, across employers and, and workforces, um, and, and certainly the responsibility in workplaces, as mm. we can see, being played
0: out. Definitely, yeah. Mm. And it's interesting to see how a lot of these reports kind of all work together. They're all very relevant, you know, in the same space. Absolutely. And, yeah. you
2: know, um, certainly the Royal Commission into Mental Health is a more comprehensive review um, and recognising the reform needs to come, not just in support of mental health, um, but it's a more detailed one. But certainly the, that work has been undertaken in the, Royal, in the Productivity Commission report as well. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, so on that, do you think that the report is um, relevant to the findings of the Victorian Royal Commission into Mental Health? Or can you elaborate a little bit more on that?
2: Mm. Yes, it is, and it comes to the same conclusions, um, that we cannot continue to be doing the same thing and expect a different outcome. Uh, the Royal Commission report, as I said, is more comprehensive, though um, in recognition that the reform needs to be to come in not just how we support mental health, but in how we also understand it. The current mental health system is crisis-driven. We know that. Um, does not address uh, the full psychosocial social needs of people living with mental illness. The ASW renews its call for greater focus on early intervention, prevention, recovery, community, human rights-based approach, and to effectively support individuals, groups and communities. There needs to be a fundamental shift, and social workers have been saying this for a long time, certainly, and others as well, a fundamental shift away from a highly individualised medical model of mental health towards a recovery oriented self-directed person-centered approach, which is trauma informed and provides a continuum of supports across the life cycle when and where people need it. The step up, the step up, step-down model was just a great model that people could touch point in and touch point out when and where they needed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no,
0: I, I agree. No, I think, you know, you've highlighted a, something that I've kind of noticed while, you know, reading through these reports and just in my own experiences through the work that I do, is there seems to be a gap within the services where we are very service focused, but there's that interim gap where it's sort of like, well, they're not quite, you know, uh, applicable to certain services, but they're not, you know, not NDIS, not this, not that, not ready to go to hospital. Where's that in between so that they don't end up in a crisis or they don't end up necessarily needing those services. So having something sort of in between that would be really good. That's so- right,
2: and and a service that is focused, Caitlin, you know, at at for everyone, it's it, it's something because certainly what I've seen in the past, the services, unless you have private mental health, um, private um, health insurance, where you can get a very privatised model of support, which is you know does um, offer you a lot of flexibility and benefits, for the average person, that that's just not a possibility. So you know we need to have a service system that that supports people where where they are and when they need help and the type of help that they need for their situation. Mm. We we've had a one-size one fits all. That's right. It's um, a it's a,
0: it's one size fits a service rather than one size fits an individual. Yes,
2: it's yeah. one-size so, and it, hence what I said earlier, yeah. you know, for me it's around um, because certainly my experience in the past it was the dominant services that that had the loudest voice
0: that's right and they're often the ones indicating the type of service that that gets delivered so yeah that really does need to change Yep. um so um you know the past year we've had COVID-19 and it has had a large impact on mental health over the the past 12 months Mm -hmm. we have also seen a really large increase in the numbers of programs and extra support for for available for people during that time which is great Mm -hmm. but what are some important steps that you think that we need to take right now
2: Okay, so we, we have prepared a, a pre-budget submission um, and we identified that we think the government needs to immediately invest in the following. One is the, the fund the rollout of the MBS review mental health items, such as increasing the number of sessions under better access program. We, our belief is it should be up to 40 sessions per calendar year. Certainly that's not what everyone needs but it's certainly some uh, service and um, service provision that some people need. So, you know, to have that flexibility to, again, to meet that greater need, um, we think it's really important. Acknowledge contributing factors of mental health, such as the lack of affordable housing, the inadequate income support. We know again that the um, social determinants of health around secure housing, safe housing, adequate resources, um, you know, invest in, in safe and um, supportive communities. Um, we know that these these factors have a positive can have a positive effect on people's well-being, and, and they're a very important part of the structure. Um, develop a schools well-being team. You know, we know the pressures on schools. We know the pressures of young people. We know the increase in suicide ideation on young people. So certainly, our belief is that there should be uh, social workers embedded more fully within a school, and, w- and we're saying a minimum of, of a social worker per 500 students. You know, we need that that, that support. There needs to be a visible, there needs to be visible um, uh, practitioners or social workers within the school system that young people know that they're there, they can find them, they can access them, they can reach out to them when they need, and also a greater investment in evidence-based early interventions. Um, we like we like evidence based work, um, and and we believe that there should be a greater investment in evidence based work um, for mental health.
0: Mm yeah no they're all really great and i agree with a lot especially talking about housing you know i feel like housing is another one that's crisis focused you know it's like we'll we'll give you the housing when we get to the point where there's no other option for you it's like you know whereas you could help someone before they get to that point you know you're going to take the burden off a whole other range of services and help that individual which is the most important thing so
2: absolutely And, and the evidence is there isn't it and it's been there for years around you know the benefit of safe secure housing for individuals and then you know, if they have a safe place that they can launch off and retreat to, you know, they're, they're always going to do better than if that housing is insecure or That's it's right. unsafe. Um, it's um, a basic
0: human need. I mean, it should be applicable for everyone, you would think. So, you, yes. <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely. And certainly in my time um, as a social worker, when I, was, when I was first graduated as a social worker, I was a housing worker out in the north. And we were able to back then, and that was about 20 years ago, we were able to access um, transitional housing. We had a range of options um, that we could access back then to um, for short term, but then transition people into longer term options. People were able to um, put in requests to move housing options where they were. And, and now, you know, I don't, um, I'm not exactly sure how long that is, but I can certainly say the emergency list from what I hear is still over, you know, oh, yeah. 15 years, you know, yep. 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And there's know. very
0: little transition too. Um, you know, it's not as easy as that. So that that sounds like, a, a, again, a better system. So again, and in that
2: same time, good. rental properties have I increased. I know,
0: yeah. Yeah. And now with COVID people, you know, having that uncertainty, I think that's another thing that's really, you know, a really big focus here as well. Yeah. Um, So uh, we talked about how the mental health plan sessions went from 10 to 20 per calendar year last year. Mm. And that, you know, you were saying 40 per year would be better. Do you want to talk a bit more about that?
2: So, so we think it's um, certainly um, the increase from 10 to 20 is a good Mm. step Mm. Um, and it's an important step and it does. um, And, and that does address some of the issues, but as we, you know, as I said, for some people, that's still a limitation. So, and, and, we do know that the data shows that the average, um, you know, people don't access, you know, anywhere need that. But it is around having a flexible model that, you know, does incorporate for people that do have, you know, significant issues that they need to work through. And, that, and that, again, it, it's a system that, you know, mental illness is not, um, uh, not neatly confined into calendar year. Um, you know, and it needs to be able to, you know, work as a step-up, a step-down step model. So then when you need more sessions to get you through, you know, people through a difficult period or, or a time of crisis or difficulty, then they have that access model, not worried about, not being too overly concerned as, you know, well, what if, what if I have a difficult time at the end of the year again? Am I going to use all my sessions? Mm-hmm. Am I going, you know, am I going to use all my treatment options? So it's around giving them, again, an assurance and that's, that's a common,
0: amazing. yeah, that's a common feeling that I hear quite often is people saying that, like, you know, they're, yes. they're starting to feel anxious, they're starting to have those experiences, which, you know, is normally to them an indicator that they're leading up to not being so well, don't want to use those Uh, extra sessions on the off chance that this is just you know a bump but there could be a bigger bump further down the track people shouldn't have to be you know squirreling away their sessions when they need that support so exactly and and they
2: know how they're going to work through those crises the best so if they know to have you know a few more sessions earlier in that episode or in that um, that, um, difficult period that's what they need to be able to do that with security that if they also have more, as you describe, bumps down the track, then they've got those options there.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. And um, at the start of this month, the final report for the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety was released. What sort of changes do you think need to be implemented in the area of aged care as a result of this report?
2: Mm. There were many, but again, an immediate action in workforce related is workforce related to mandate the inclusion, we would of social workers and other allied health care. So, you know, um, when we look at the aged care, the, um, the re- commission's report, you know, the um, amount of times that the concerns were related to inadequate staffing, inappropriate staffing, um, and um, having support of professional staffing in there. So we would say the, the big issues are around staffing and workforce. Um, the Royal Commission also calls for an expansion of better access as well, which is an important step, but we want to see social workers as permanent members of staff. Um, you know social workers do case management, they do advocacy, do they, they do um, they do counseling, they, they are a great all-round professional to be in, um, um, to be in those um, settings to support people when and where they need it. Um, and this was actually a recommendation from the initial uh, review of the Oakden aged care home uh, whose horrific practices um, really instigated the royal commission hmm. so yeah. we just reiterate that again social workers to be permanent
0: staff in those settings yeah that's no, it's definitely important and before we wrap up today have you got any final thoughts um, about you know any of the commissions that we've talked about or any of the reports we've talked about or anything else regarding social workers that you'd like to talk about today yeah,
2: but just to reiterate, reiterate, and thank you for the opportunity, the um, social work profession being um, a registered profession. So um, there's draft legislation um, right now, Caitlin, before the South Australian Parliament, mm-hmm. um, and this is a great first step uh, for social workers to be registered um, across Australia. But we, we think that the um, public needs to, um, should have the assurances across Australia, not just in South Australia, um, given that um the pub um an awareness for the public that if you are seeing or accessing a social worker that they're a qualified profession that they they have done the four year full-time degree that they have had the the thousand hours of clinical supervision um because as it stands now anyone can call themselves a social worker. Mm.
0: Wow and that's go. a huge concern for us. Yeah. And if if any of our listeners do you want to support this cause how can they uh get behind it
2: um well at the moment um we it, as i said it's in the south australian registra- um south australian parliament sorry and the legislation is up for support of to be voted on hopefully in the next few months mm-hmm. it's um we would just direct your listeners and your supporters to the south australian parliament websites keep an eye out for that um and the victorian um uh, people that listen to the program um, across Victoria, we're actually getting a campaign up here. We have uh, been very active in the, um, anytime there's a, a state or territory election, we basically raise the issue. Raising the issue with the local members is really helpful, letting people know that, that it's important, that quality of, of um, care is really important for them and registered social workers is really important
0: as part of that. Awesome. All right. So hopefully everyone can get behind that. It's very important. So yeah, thank you so much, Cindy, for coming on today. That's been wonderful. Thanks, um, you know, I'm sure I could probably talk more about this with you, <laughs> yes. but, but we are short for time. So I will let you go. But thanks again. Um, it's been wonderful having a chat with you today. Thank you, Caitlin.
1: Thanks very much. Thanks, Cindy, for coming on the show today and sharing with our listeners. Please be sure to tune in next week for part two in the series where we'll be speaking with Ingrid Ozels about her thoughts and submissions to the Royal Commission. In the meantime, you can find more of our shows on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on Spotify or wherever you download your 3CR podcast. And if you'd like to share a story with us or give us some feedback, maybe some suggestions for any shows in the future, please email us at brainwaves@wellways.org. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Please stay safe. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.